Welcome to Biohackers Lab, a place where we talk to smart people who are figuring out how to improve health in interesting ways. Join us to discover how you can biohack your life, your body, starting today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Biohackers Lab. I'm your host, Gary Kerwin, and on today's episode, I have Dr. Philip Blair. Dr. Blair is a family physician and consultant in disease management for workers' insurance programs. He is also a retired U.S. Army colonel who was a combat physician in the Gulf War and retired after 29 years in uniform. Since 2014, Dr. Blair has been consulting, treating patients, and lecturing about CBD and how it can improve serious medical disorders. Philip, thanks so much for coming on to the episode today. Hey, great to be here. Um, wonderful to be uh, tapping into uh, the UK and uh, all of your affiliates and whoever you talk with. Yeah, so yeah, I'm based uh, on a little island called the Island Man, which is just off the UK. But um, so yeah, I've got a lot of UK listeners, but also a lot of American listeners. So you know, we we're transatlantic. We're going to cross, and even down in Australia and South Africa, there's there's a lot of different people who are going to listen to you today. Well, I love to talk to those people as well. And part of my international consultancy on cannabidiol actually takes me to South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand, um, in addition to Japan. Um, and even Korea. Wow. So, you know, it's, that's what uh, we're talking about today is why is CBD not being used more and more widely? And it's great to hear that, yeah, loads of countries are, and people around the world want to use it. So, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I know you're super excited about uh, CBD and, and all the other cannabinoids. So, just sorry for listeners. I'm going to get a bit tongue-tied on that stuff today. Um, but the the reason I've just to give people a little bit of background, I've I recently just got a little um, tub of it myself, a little um, spray to put on the tongue, and from there I decided to sort of geek out more about it, and I, I got to watch the scientist documentary about how it was discovered and the um, Dr. Meshulam and how and the story that he goes through, and it's fascinating. And um, so to sort of get us into this for people who don't know anything about it, could you just explain what is CBD? What are we talking about? Okay. But let me first say that I am a family physician primarily. That was my um, uh, graduate training um, after medicine. So I've been, I did the whole uh, nine yards, delivered babies, did vasectomies, took care of uh, infants, children, adults, geriatrics, the whole thing. And I was, I was practiced that for the entire time that I was in the military until I retired in 96. Then I went, I started doing disease management starting in 2000. And then I'm trying to figure out um, mechanisms and ways to, to hack the body and try and trying to get the outcomes that we should be seeing from current medical therapy, but we're not really achieving those. And so that's, that's part of my course and, and how I've been there. Now, moving back to cannabidiol, this is a substance, and it's all commonly referred to as CBD, and it comes from hemp. Now, if we talk about the hemp plant or the cannabis plant, it's really of two varieties. On the one hand, you've got marijuana that contains THC. On the other hand, you've got the hemp, sometimes called industrial hemp, that doesn't contain any significant amount of THC, but it has most of the cannabidiol. So THC makes you high, CBD makes you healthy. And fundamentally, that is uh, the principle that's behind it. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's what I'm, 
I always like to just bring that up in the beginning because it seems like that's the most common misconception, like myth breaking number one is that it's not marijuana. So it's not the stuff that gets you high when you take the spray. So I can tell people, no, I, I didn't get high by spraying this stuff under my tongue. Um, so you mentioned earlier there too about industrial hemp. Do we get different types of hemp then? Well, there's several different species. Uh, well, they're not actually species. They're called cultivars. Um, and they're, um, we sometimes separate them into uh, cannabis sativa or one of some of the other varieties. But it's, uh, and a lot of people will focus on that. I don't focus on that. The sativa is the most common uh, variety and has the highest levels of cannabidiol. Um, and there are some cultivars that come from uh, the industrial hemp that, or from the marijuana plant that um, provide different combinations of other substances, what uh, Dr. Mashulam calls the entourage. And these are also very important. There are the other cannabinoids that are in the plant. There's probably about 100 uh, that are in uh, just this plant alone. And there's many others that are found in nature. But there's also um, uh, terpenes. And these are small um, fat molecules that contain, uh, have a different blend. Then the terpenes are the things that you are, have strong odor uh, that you encounter. Um, so such as a pine scent or lemon um, or grapefruit. They actually are some of these compounds, these um, fragrant um, uh, essential oils that are commonly used that have stimulating properties on the body. In addition... So within the plant, there are also flavonoids um, and um, other substances and uh, phytols that are quite valuable to the body. We just haven't really drilled down into these biologic substances and the advantage. Now, the important thing, and I want to get across, is that that entourage, that those extra substances are very valuable in terms of how the CBD uh, is working within the body because that's part of that entourage that makes the really good effects that come from it. So yeah, it's we don't just want something in isolation completely. We want it the other natural forming chemicals around it. Um, I guess it's it's the same as when people say you know eat real food because there's a different effect when you have real food versus a supplement, for example. And uh, you've just got me thinking there. Then so when we try extract it you know, the, the CBD from a hemp plant then, uh, we are drawing in all these other entourage chemicals with it, are we? Um, it's not well, just it depends CBD. On how, it depends on how the extraction goes. Um, what the people that I've been working with, the Elixinol company, has been using a supercritical CO2 extraction. So they're using carbon dioxide as the solvent to pull out the cannabinoids and the phytols and the uh, flavonoids that come from it. And that process gets the, the the greatest and the fullest extraction of that entourage at the same time, whereas it doesn't contain um, any alcohol or toxic substances that are going to be irritating or cause any problem. It's also very um, healthy for the environment as well. Okay, so that's the top tip there already is look for CO2 extracted CBD oil. That's the what people need to look for. I think that's a key and important thing. But the other point that they need to look for is they need to look at the certificate of analysis that's done by a third party that examines exactly what is in the product that they're looking at. 
Um, so you want to know certainly how much cannabidiol is there. You want to know uh, if it contains any THC, which it should not. You want to look at um, perhaps some of the other cannabinoids that are present in it. You want to make sure it doesn't have any um, toxins uh, or solvents um, or any biologic substance so, so that it has bacteria in it um, or heavy metals or, or pesticides. And that should all be available when you're looking for a product so you know exactly what's in it and you're not going to cause additional damage as a result of it. I just want to go back to, I didn't and talk about cannabidiol, the molecule. It's, a, it's actually a small molecule. It's a small fat molecule. It's um, 22 carbons. Um, and so it's not a whole lot different than some of the oils that we take in, like um, uh, medium chain triglycerides or coconut oil. It's very similar. And the body processes it through this um, uh, fat metabolism mechanism. And as a result of that, it's, it's using a system that we haven't learned a whole lot about, but it is key and important to the body's overall function. In fact, um, some of the other molecules that you may be familiar with, like omega-3 fats that are DHA and EPA, are actually very, very similar to cannabidiol and some of the other cannabinoids. So that's fascinating where that... I know that you're a fan of the low-carb diets or the ketogenic diet and that's another oh, yeah. reason I, I wanted to get you on because the reason I got interested in, in the keto world was because of seizure patients and going, wow, okay, so these, these fat molecules, these ketones or these ketone bodies, they seem to be good for our neurology, for our brain. And what you're saying here is that the cannabinoids, cannabinoids, <laughs> the cannabinoids, cannabinoids. cannabinoids they are sort of following the same pathways. And that's, you know, I'm going to get on to that in, later into our discussion about some of the common things um, to use the CBD oil in, but, you know, for seizure patients. So it's, it's yeah, I, I want to delve deeper into sort of that field um, later on into the discussion for sure. Uh, but just pulling back into then, just to finish off with the quality aspect um, before we get into that. So taking hemp oil on its own is not the same as just taking CBD oil. So do you, I guess, are you going to get a, a much smaller percentage of CBD in hemp oil if someone had to take it as a supplement, or is it well, or, or the two the same? Right. Just if it's um, if it's considered, it's it's hard to say depending. It's what the manufacturer um, really wants it to be. So if it's just hemp oil then it's not a whole lot different than olive oil. Uh, you just you have to look at the individual ingredients and very, very low concentrations of any cannabinoids that are present in it. Lots of good things. Uh, there are some omega-3s, um, but um, it doesn't have a high concentration of any of the cannabinoids that are present in it. Now, oftentimes uh, we... So you have to look very closely at the label because some of the cannabidiol, the CBD products, are actually being labeled as hemp oil. In order to uh, probably get around restrictions and legislation and, um, and negative aspects that people associate with hemp uh, so that it's more easily available. Um, and I can only explain it that way because you have to look at the label to find out how much uh, cannabidiol is actually located in the product. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 
talking physiology stuff again um when i watched that dis- that documentary i didn't realize that the human body makes cannabinoids. sorry i told you i was going to get yes. tied on this one but yeah so the if you could just explain has that its in- has its own system for handling cannabinoid-like molecules. It's incredible. This was discovered in 1992, and it's, it's a comprehensive system that appears to be a master controller for many of our other body systems, and we really weren't aware of it. Unfortunately, even though we have thousands of articles about this system, over, over 8,000 articles within um, PubMed uh, on medical literature, we still don't have an awareness by physicians and by the general public about how comprehensive and how important the endocannabinoid system is in our lives. It controls and it regulates um, so many things, our, our appetite, um, our emotions. Um, it handles the neurotransmitters, our immunologic system. Um, and it's all regulated with a complex system that um, has its own um, uh, synthetic material uh, to create the cannabinoids, um, and it has the degradation. It also has transporter molecules, um, and it has um, uh, a number of uh, uh, boosters that work within the um, synapses of the muscles uh, or in, in the nerves in order to make um, the cannabinoids work differently. It's, it's controlling the neurotransmitters. It's it's regulating the immune system, it's working on the hormones, and of all places, it's working on the gut. Um, fabulous in terms of uh, regulation, uh, normalizing the gut. When we fast, we turn off the endocannabinoid system in terms of that stimulation that may cause some disturbances. Um, it's also working on cellular metabolism. It's actually shifting cellular metabolism in a very similar way as ketones do. Okay, yeah. So we do produce them then. The body produces um, a, a natural amount on its own. And that's and a, a good example for people to visualize that is in breast milk, apparently, that when the baby's feeding on it, and that's when they get that sort of breast milk high when they're so happy afterwards and they did, and they unlatch. It's because the mother has given them a, a good dose. Perfect example. And, you know, the, cannab- and the endocannabinoid system controls the implantation of the egg um, in the uterus as well. So we're getting down to the very smallest um, fertilized egg and the impact of this endocannabinoid system. But, you know, we can get it in the foods that we eat as well. And I'm not just talking about cannabis. I'm talking about chocolate and truffles, um, probably other foods as well. And it's found in flax. Uh, the flax cloth actually contains cannabidiol specifically to, and that improves healing if you use the flax cloth as a bandage. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that's a, a flax cloth for bandaging. That, that would be quite novel. Um, so we've got these, these receptors all over, uh, over multiple systems in our body. As you said, the gut, the brain, the m- muscles all over the place and i do find it fascinating because when i when i studied physiology this system was never brought up at all which i find amazing because it is so influential as you said um so i guess what decade was that gary (laughs) i graduated in 2004 so that was the early 2000s so as you said in 1992 um 
it should it, I should have already been hearing about it or at least re- reading about it in the physiology textbooks. That's right. You should have, and you should be hearing about it now, but less than well, 5% of medical schools in the United States are teaching or informing any of the physicians or the medical students about it at all. In fact, most of the physicians that I talk to have no clue about the endocannabinoid system, and yet it's so highly regulatory um, as, as what we talked about, the neurotransmitters. Yeah, and I think that comes back to why you're so excited about this whole system because you have a substance now or a range of substances that you can administer to a patient and get different physiological responses, I guess, out of them, which is what we're going to lead on to in, later in the discussion. Right, and what it what turns out, Gary, is very interestingly is that we can have an endocannabinoid deficiency. In fact, deficiencies of the balance of the receptors and the agonists Um, have been found in almost all major diseases. So if we're talking about depression, um, anxiety, uh, PTSD, um, different types of cancers, uh, Crohn's disease, Huntington's disease, um, all of these diseases actually contain disturbances in the endocannabinoid system, whether it's low levels of um, an endocannabinoid as as the agonist or it's high numbers of receptors whatever the balance is, it's dysregulated. And the thought is that if we could rebalance uh, that system, then we might be able to restore health to the body. Because the main purpose of the endocannabinoid system is just to maintain uh, homeostasis, just to maintain normal, not to make you a superman in any way. Mm. And so is there any risk of toxicity like taking an overdose of CBD? Like I take too much and I get a a negative side effect from it or is the body just going to reject and eject sort of excess levels if I had to ingest it? No, there is no toxicity. No no, uh, person has ever died or been seriously injured as a result of using cannabidiol. Um, can you get side effects from it? They're rare and, and only at high doses. Yet if you look at some of the human studies that were done, as much as 1,200 milligrams were used um, in uh, adults with, for example, schizophrenia, and it had no significant adverse effects whatsoever, certainly no toxicity. Uh, it's potentially, it could interact with some other medications, um, going through some of the liver pathways, but it, I haven't actually seen that at the normal doses that I have been recommending for people. And I can, I feel like I can use uh, normal doses that are less than 200 milligrams of CBD when you use a high quality product that has uh, a full entourage, a full spectrum um, within it, and not using isolate type of compounds. So when you mentioned. Uh medications there uh that that would be one of my questions because any listeners here who are taking it or they might be taking other forms of supplements or medications potentially are there any sort of common interactions that are known about or it that that sort of hasn't been um highlighted or studied as yet well there's been a lot of questions that i get about and if but if you look at the science on it you find out that there is a relative interference through the um, liver's um, CYP or cytochrome 450 system for metabolizing drugs. And it has the potential of interfering, but only at high doses, well over 200 milligrams. That's when it starts to 
to result in that. There's only been a couple drugs that have been identified as being um, changed as a result of using cannabidiol. Most of those drugs have been associated with epilepsy. So you are using neurotransmitter modulator type of drug like clobazam, which is a common drug that's used for epilepsy. That can raise, using CBD and clobazam can either raise the level or decrease the level of uh, clobazam. And that goes, it's true for some of the other um, anti-epileptic uh, types of drugs. And, I, it's, and it's also true for um, some of the neurotransmitter types of drugs that we use uh, for uh, schizophrenia and um, for Parkinson's disease. You know, L-DOPA is essentially is a neurotransmitter uh, dopamine uh, substitute to give to people. If you combine that with CBD, you could potentiate at the neurotransmitter level. So there, there is some synergy that happens with it. On the other hand, there is um, some very positive interaction as a result of using CBD with some other drugs, like uh, low-dose naltrexone. It actually amplifies the effects of um, in, in a complementary way, not to make it excessive, but complementary. Antidepressants, um, SSRI type of drugs for depression, um, it complements uh, those particular drugs, although uh, it's my firm belief that CBD can correct for uh, depression in a very short order within a matter of uh, days, um, and then the SSRIs are, don't need to be used at all. Yeah, and that's, that would be exciting again just for patients here because usually again, especially if we're talking antidepressants, when someone gets put on them, they, get, they tend to get put on them for quite a while, not just a couple yes. of days. So, and that's exciting for you to, to say like, no, but, here's but another even substance. More, even more, Gary, and it takes a, as long as six weeks for an antidepressant to work, whereas I see changes in people immediately by taking CBD. They don't have to wait weeks. They can see it in the same day, changes in their mood, um, in their behavior, um, and their overall outlook on life. Fantastic, you know, and it's a natural substance again at the end of the day, which is, um, which I, I like. And so, just moving away from medications, then uh, supplements. Which, when we were talking earlier about MCTs and um, other sort of fat soluble vitamins, would would taking CBD with supplements enhance their bioavailability do you think so i'm just wondering this system this endocannabinoid system is it going to sort of wake up my cells that they're going to be more receptive or sort of yeah i'm just wondering is there going to be a synergy by taking this in combination with other supplements for example I think it, uh, CBD is essential that you're taking in omega-3s. Omega-3s are part of, actually are incorporated in the endocannabinoid system. They're modified, and that's what their real benefit is. And so combining them is really important. But the two work synergistically and getting better effects. Um, in, um, in other types of supplements, you know, I, I think it's important that we supplement with vitamin D3, because we're just not getting the amount of sunshine that we need to. Um, the other is iodine. We need to be taking that in. Um, a popular uh, um, culinary uh, approach is to uh, take salt and take out the, not include the iodine for taste factors. But if we're not getting iodine from some source, like uh, kelp or seaweed, then we're really missing on the essential need um, for iodine within our bodies. 
Um, it does appear to complement um, some in some diets, particularly a ketogenic diet, because it it looks like the two mechanisms seem to overlap um, and to amplify the benefits from both of those processes right down to the level of the mitochondria and shifting the metabolism in the mitochondria, making it more efficient and less reactive oxygen species that will cause inflammation. Hmm. So your top tip earlier was taking a fish oil, a good omega-3 oil with your CBD because those two seem to work very well together. Um, but since you brought up the ketogenic diet and working together, that sort of takes me into the, idea, the, the concept that CBD oil has has made the headlines particularly recently in the UK with a mother who had, um, I don't know if it was just CBD or maybe in CBD plus THC, I'm not, I'm not aware, but she had the uh, government basically confiscate it from her at the airport um, and her son required it to stop his seizures and, you know, it made the headline news and everything here. But um, when I did my geeking out and research about it, I, I was just blown away, like, how effective it is for seizure control. I mean, children who are seizuring every 20 to 30 minutes, you give them this oil and suddenly they can become seizure-free. It's just, it's incredible. And that, you know, and that's why I got interested in the ketogenic diet too about seizure control. Um, so I guess my first question is that, as you said, about the synergy between the two, do you think there is a neurological, like a brain benefit if someone was using a ketogenic diet to have better neurology, better brain health, and taking CBD, like the two together, the ketones plus the CBD are going to just really help heal your brain? Well, I do. I mean, I think there's pretty good evidence for it. We know that the ketogenic diet has been used for centuries, and, and we just haven't recognized it. The number one has been talked about for weight loss in, in the um, mid-1800s, but it's also been very effective for diabetes, uh, epilepsy, as we talked about, but there's also evidence for multiple sclerosis um, and, you, and Alzheimer's disease and autism. I mean, all of these conditions uh, respond to a high-fat type of diet, low-carbohydrate, um, it turns out that when we make ketones, we actually signal the body in certain ways. We reduce inflammation. The signaling of ketones goes right down to the mitochondrial level um, and to the DNA and modulating and epigenetic changes to the DNA to shift it to an anti-inflammatory manifestation within the body, within the brain. It does seem to uh, improve um, functioning of the brain, as I mentioned, uh, with MS and Alzheimer's and autism, and, it, and it's using some uh, rather unique uh, pathways, um, and it turns out that CBD, CBD is actually working on some of those same pathways. So you really are amplifying the maximum benefits that really affect the um, cognizance, the, the clarity of both the thought process as well as what I've seen is actual visual improvements that, that go along with cannabidiol. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I was talking the extreme cases like I watched in the TED, TED Talks with the seizure control, but, you know, I think there are going to be a group of people who are on a low-carb or ketogenic diet for just general uh, preventing brain fog and just general well-being and that cognition effect. You know, I want to think well as I get older too and protect my brain health. Um, and so you're saying that 
here you think it would be good to sort of take like a maintenance dose of CBD oil if you want to also protect your brain for the long term. I do. I think it's essential for diabetics too. But you, we have inflammation in our body that gets turned on and doesn't turn off. We've got to control that inflammation. Otherwise, we lead to things like Alzheimer's uh, and dementia or Parkinson's disease or diabetes, worsening diabetes uh, uh, or kidney disease and eye disease. All of these things have a basis uh, for as inflammation within the body. Using CBD uh, could regulate, downplay, downregulate the inflammatory and the immune system such that we don't face those complications. I mean, a classic is uh, atherosclerosis. That is inflammation within the blood vessels and around the blood vessels. If we could stop that process based on, and based on what I've read and I've looked at, it, the CBD could stop that particular process and block atherosclerosis um, in the body and prevent heart attacks as well as preventing stroke. Okay, so the main mechanism here that people will be benefiting from sounds like all these receptors are getting stimulated by by taking the CBD oil and it's this massive body-wide anti-inflammatory effect that's going from your blood vessels you know, near your heart to the back of your eye to in your muscle is and that i guess that comes into where the reported benefits of it are is for things like pain control and and joint pains too because it's that anti-inflammatory effect well that's part of it but it's also the neurotransmitters we have a mechanism where we uh, we respond to a, a stimulus of some sort we release neurotransmitters the cannabinoid the natural endocannabinoid receptors are there that actually signal uh, the the cell that is releasing the um, neurotransmitter to sil- signal it to turn down the volume, decrease the amount. And it's called um, retrograde type of um, stimulation and modulation. So it turns down the amount of neurotransmitters that are being produced, and it reduces that um, the height and the intensity that's going on. So it regulates and it's supposed to modulate um, the body in, in a proper way. And, and I want to just go back to something you said that you talked about um, stimulating um, the body. It's not always stimulation. Sometimes it's blocking. You know, it's quite a uh, concert in terms of um, uh, stimulating on this side and, um, and um, depressing some other areas. And so uh, that's why I like to use the term modulation. And so if you've got the endocannabinoid system being modulated, and regulated, then you can get closer to homeostasis and get away from these extreme cases where you have inflammation or, or you have irritation. And, and you brought up a really good point about pain. So particularly pain, there's really two components. You have the analgesic effects. So there's, that's neurotransmitters uh, that are going on. But you also have the inflammatory phase where you have macrophages that are going into an area that are releasing cytotoxins or um, uh, cytokines that are irritating um, and promote inflammation. So CBD is actually working on both those lines. Number one, you get that analgesic effect from the, at the neurotransmitter level. And then after a couple of days, you're really moving into the anti-inflammatory area so that you're going to stop the inflammation that's going to lead to disease progression, fibrosis, and other damage to the organs. Yeah, and so that's more 
at the at the site of damage. So if you cut yourself at that area, there's a whole lot of chemical activity going on, like a chemical soup. And exactly. I, and I did read, I believe, um, there was a study that was even looking at sciatica. So this is now your nerve pathways from your spinal cord down the root. And even in those cases, there was a benefit from what I, if I think I did did read that uh, properly but that's that would also be amazing that we're looking at like central pain pathways so within the spinal cord and the neurology is 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 that being studied um i don't know if that that is true what i what i read or well it's being studied but unfortunately there are issues with uh, getting the studies done in humans and and many of the um, review boards have not allowed human studies and are having difficulty getting particular products um, it, it's being looked at, it's been looked at in animals, and there's a lot of what we call preclinical studies, but there's not very many that are going on in humans. Everybody's waiting for a pharmaceutical product to be produced, but typically pharmaceutical products are isolates. They're dealing with just cannabidiol, and as we talked about before, you really need a full spectrum in order to get the balance that you would like to have and the enhancement from the other substances that are located with the cannabidiol. Mm. And when you were mentioning earlier that when you when you ingest it, it's going to stimulate or raise the activity of certain um, chemicals, but your body's also going to potentially use it to dampen or quiet down certain chemicals. And that's just amazing to hear again that, so we're taking this substance in and it is helping regulate, it's helping that homeostasis, that, that balance, that fine balance the body is always trying to do. And again, just to think it's doing that over many systems, you know, cardiovascular system, hormone system, gut system, so many systems where it's trying to allow the body to go, oh, right, okay, I'm, I'm making too much of this or no, I and need to more of And at the tissue level, right down to the cellular level. So for instance, uh, CBD is an excellent anti-inflammatory. Great, a terrific anti-inflammatory, and it'll protect the normal cell from damage as a result of toxins, uh, of heavy metals, or um, from injury from chemicals. But at the same time, if we're dealing with certain types of cells, like cancer cells, it kills and it promotes the death of cancer cells. It, it, an amazing intelligence, some people call it an adaptogen, something that adapts to the particular situation and institutes uh, the right kind of response that we need for homeostasis, maintaining balance in the body and maintaining health. Yeah, and when I watched that documentary I mentioned earlier, The Scientist, uh, there was they, one study was brought up there about how effective it was for children who were undergoing uh, cancer treatment and they just didn't have the, the massive negative side effects. So in that case, the oncologist, the cancer doctor, was giving them CBD oil and she knew which was placebo or not is what they said in the documentary because she knew like, oh, wow, this this group is just not vomiting and they're not going through all these terrible side effects, but this group still is. So she she said she knew immediately which group was taking CBD. So it wasn't completely like randomized, double blind. Um, but it's much more than just, um, you know, holding, controlling the symptoms. What I've seen in a number of patients is an enhancement of the killing effects of the chemotherapy along with the CBD, as well as protecting the normal tissues. I've had dozens of patients with cancer using cannabidiol I really promote people using it during the time they have chemo or radiation because it's going to protect the normal tissues against those side effects with those side effects, but also the tissue, the normal tissue. And it's going to enhance the killing effect of the cancer um, out of the chemotherapy 
on the cancer cells. So is it accepted by oncologists? Are they either recommending it or they're happy for patients to take CBD oil? Um, I don't know of any who are recommending or using. I'm trying to get my foot in the door and talk with them about my experience, but so often they're looking for double-blind controlled studies mm. um, that, which are very hard to produce and really require a pharmaceutical company with the deep pockets in order to do the kind of studies that they would be looking for. On the other hand, I try to I talk to patients and I try to empower them with the understanding that this, these substances are food products um, and that they're safe. They don't, they're not toxic. Um, they don't have any uh, significant adverse effects to them. So that if they're taking a food, nobody's really going to object to the food uh, result of using a food and um, try to empower patients so that they are doing the research, finding out um, from themselves, for themselves, and maybe bringing it, and definitely bring it up with their doctor, but not um, succumbing to the uh, the negative uh, information that might come from a lot of um, uh, uh, physicians, particularly even in the oncology area, unless they feel um, uh, that there is some sort of possible interaction. But even then, I've not seen a, a negative uh, interaction uh, with um, oncology and with chemo and radiation therapy that uh, of any concern. And on the other hand, I've seen some great remissions, people um, doing very, very well uh, recovering and maintaining remission for a number of years. Well, any patients who are a little bit concerned with cancer patients, I guess they can maybe some, somehow contact you just to find out for some more information because, yeah, it's people, then that's why I wanted to interview you. You know, it's people like yourself that help to educate listeners and to educate people who are on a hunt. They're on their own, any equals one sort of research discovery of wh what they want to do with their own body and, and their own health. Um, so we've talked about seizures, we've talked about cancer. I mean, these are all you know big uh, medical events too um and that another common one which you already touched on earlier was the ssris you know the antidepressant drugs so i see a another common form that why people want to take it is for anxiety and depression and you would say that it is good if you if you're prone to to those symptoms then a dose of cbd oil will be a part of your journey to help you recover Oh, absolutely. You know, I love to talk to people with anxiety because in 95% of the time, I can control it and regulate it or they can using cannabidiol. And it, and it happens immediately. Then they don't have to wait a while. I um, mean, they can get away from the benzodiazepines, the, the Valium type of grub, uh, drugs that people are using that can be addictive and can have some significant side effects with it. So using the CBD, uh, you have to adjust it according to your particular need. But uh, like with the product that you're using, um, you probably need to adjust it according to your symptoms. And then um, what I tell people is to titrate it or just um, increase or decrease the dose according to how you respond with it. There's no toxic dose. You can take as much as you want. It is a food product primarily. So use what you need to control your symptoms and conserve where you want to conserve for expenses, expense-wise, and know that there are long-term benefits, not only the immediate, but there are long-term benefits that are going to happen um, physiologically within your whole body. And yeah, we haven't got into the dosage stuff. I, I want to do get. I do want to get into that because um, 
yeah, when whenever it comes to a natural substance, I always try to think of what is the clinical dosage that's needed. You know, uh, if I'm a big guy versus a small lady, do we need different dosages or different situations, as you meant, and how we respond to it? So, what for the extreme cases? I, I'm I'm calling them extreme, but you know, for for these children that were having these multiple seizures in a day, what kind of dosage level are we talking about there? So for kids um, and for seizures, uh, I have a general guideline of about one milligram per kilogram. And, and this is a bit of the exception. I usually don't go by the kilogram weight because everybody has a different level of endocannabinoid deficiency. And if they're deficient, if we can replace that or modify that, then they'll get back to normal. Um, however, in this particular area, it's really common to use the per kilogram. So for most kids, even adults, one milligram per kilogram is a great area, a great target for a therapeutic dose that I find 70% of people do respond to. Some respond less than that. Some respond require higher levels of it. In certain types of syndrome, um, they may require as many as 10 milligrams uh, per kilogram. But those are exceptional, and I have only run across those um, on rare occasions. And so it's is not very, very prevalent. But for everybody, I, I want them to start with, and I recommend they start with the standard serving, whatever's on the bottle, and then, but, under, but, but double the dose if they're not feeling like they're getting control of their particular symptoms. And then double it again until they find a therapeutic dose that makes them, that they can feel, that they feel some of the changes. So the changes like a relaxation over, over the face and the muscles of the face, a rax, relaxation of the voice where the voice will drop down an octave. They might start talking faster. They'll show some humor and conversation. They'll be more socially inclined. There'll be a rising energy that they'll have uh, as well. So a lot of the, and there's also the analgesic effect. If they're in pain, you'll see a diminishment of the pain uh, to some degree. I also like to have them check their vision. Because um, when consistently I see an initial and dramatic effect with a sharpening and improvement and a clarity of the vision um, as they're viewing distant objects. So looking at trees and leaves in some distance out of window, um, the colors seem to pop. They go into more detail uh, with it. Um, and there's not only a clarity of vision, there's a clarity of thought where their memories um, improve, they sharpen, their thoughts are quicker. And physiologically, we also see changes in performance uh, where they're able to tolerate anaerobic type of exercise much greater, able to hold their breath for a longer period of time and diminish any type of soreness that they have from working out. Yeah. So I, I listened to one of your previous podcast episodes and you, you brought up the vision aspect of that too. And you know, I've only been taking my CBD oil for seven, 10 days. It's not really that long, but the vision thing... I, I actually think there's something to it. I mean, I, I've been looking into the distance, you know, over the summer now. Um, I live near the sea, and I've, it's, I, I do notice that the mountain range across uh, the ocean from us looks clearer. And when I look at the the fields and the animals in the fields, it's there's something to it. And I think you're on, you're, you're definitely onto something there, where you're saying that it has a, a vision component to it. So even if anything, and uh, yeah, if you've got some visual issues, why not just give it a try? Just just see what it does. So you actually, I, I call it the high high definition mode. So you go into HD um, <laughs> into your visual. Now it doesn't last uh, necessarily for um, all day, 
but you do see some improvement. Here and I've had to caution people about um, correcting their uh, lenses, changing their glasses uh, while they're on CBD because um, actually they tend to have to go backwards to their previous prescription because their eyes have improved. Yeah, um, again, just to think because your eyes are an extension of your brain and so here's the substance again that's helping the neurology, the brain, you know, the retina, whatever is happening in there from this chemical effect, this endocannabinoid system. Um, I just find that fascinating. You know, we want, we want good visual health. So, if you've got good visual health, it's it's doing something to the neurology. And I just love that idea. Um, so, what about sleep? How have you done with sleep? Have you noticed an improved sleep quality? Yeah, my I would say I've got I wear the the aura ring for tracking, and I would say my REM is 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 definitely better. Um, and uh less turning at night too so i've i've got two young kids and they do wake me up very early because they like to wake up early with a light but um no i you know looking at that i would say too yeah um a more peaceful sleep so less less um sort of wakefulness during sleep and more rem are the two big things i think exactly what people report to me consistently now it doesn't put you to sleep in fact there's another one of these paradoxes is that it can actually be wake you up so if you take it, when you take it, you can actually get stimulated so that you're alert, um, your mind is going and moving. Um, but then it also improves your sleep. So it's quite a paradox. I, I ask people not to take it right before sleep within two hours um, because it can have that activating effect and um, maybe uh, stimulate them so that they don't sleep. Another thing, have you noticed vivid dreams? This is a common effect of CBD. Yeah, and that well, I think that comes into that that REM component. I'm yeah, my my dreams are are pretty good. I'm I'm normally a good dreamer too. So hard to say if that's different, but um, you know the the data is showing that yeah, REM REM's looking good. So no sleep quality. Um, I haven't. Ha- I'm not a, normally a bad sleeper, but there's definitely something to it there too. Um, and I feel good in it. You know, my my. I'm so new to it, but that's what I'm so excited about the stuff too, just as you are. It's, I don't know. It's in in seven to ten days, I I think I can feel quite a nice difference in my body, and it's not a an extreme change either. It's just this good feeling, and no, you're just getting back to normal. I mean, it's yeah. getting to, you get to be all that you can be, and your relationships with your wife and your children are really positive. You're not blowing up. You, you don't have the tenseness that goes on. You're conversing. You, you want to talk to people. You want to interact with people. Very, very positive events that are happening. You just, you're just being human. And what about, um, what about empathy? Have you noticed yourself being particularly em- empathetic uh, for people who are suffering or having difficulty? Yeah, I'm normally empathetic because um, that's just my nature. But, you know, uh, what I would say is that so I did a neurofeedback training experiment earlier this year too. And so there I was also learning about meditation and and trying to put yourself in that better place, you know, the empathy place and the gratitude place. And so, you, you know, with meditation, you're always trying to train to, to, to sort of be aware and know when you're, when you're in that place. And I would say the CBD oil enhances that practice. So I would see a benefit of adding CBD oil with your meditative practice. Or if you were going through a neurofeedback training protocol where you had the EEG on your head, 
it would help enhance your neurology. I'm, I'm seeing the benefits here to, to that effect. I would, I, I would completely agree. I'd like to see more, uh, some studies done on it and like to hear more reports like yours because I, I'm very, I feel very positive about it. It could make a big difference for people. You know, people who, um, also, um, uh, with post traumatic stress disorder have a lot of behavioral disturbances that they go on. And CBD used at the same time of those experiences could block many of the adverse effects that come along with PTSD. It actually blocks this reconsolidation phase that's involved with this uh, broken record effect of remembering these ill experiences. So at the same time, they, uh, people with PTSD can't forget. They, they, they have a broken mechanism for extinguishing bad feelings. And with CBD, that opens it up. And so combining um, CBD with a therapeutic uh, in, engagement um, and reliving those experiences could, could dampen that, um, block those PTSD effects, and actually put these people into remission. And so with your background in the Army, PTSD is a big thing. And I mean, you've served in wars too. So it um, I don't know if you're allowed to say, but is the U.S. Army experimenting with cbd to help um veterans oh and they've been experimenting with on pt uh for ptsd in a number of different ways um but there there is some limited studies that have been allowed by some of the universities on the east coast particularly i believe uh, university of pennsylvania is doing some studies on it but um there are not um real vigorous studies going on and um, they look like they'll be years before they'll be um, uh, able to be used in some way. On the other hand, I've got my own study that I'm doing for veterans in my area, and we're using CBD, and we're finding those particular benefits that I talked about, where people uh, are able to get their PTSD under major control in very short period of time, um, a couple weeks, um, and actually put them into remission so that they're more functional in their society um, and their interactions and they're healthier all the way around. So with your interest in the ketogenic diet too, have you ever seen anyone take an exogenous ketone, a salt or an ester and take CBD oil? Like I'm just wondering if you can take an exogenous ketone and take CBD and get a little boost of some sort. Well, I think you can. Nothing elaborate, but looking at um, MCT. So most of the exogenous ketones are in usually from a, maybe a, an MCT derivative, and that can be used. So you're using some um, shorter change or some um, uh, saturated fats. That enhances the absorption through the gut. It goes into the lymphatic systems. And as you know, the lymphatic system doesn't go first pass through the liver. So you avoid the first pass effect. There's less degradation of CBD in that particular process. But you're also providing the building blocks for ketones. Um, and you've got that particular benefit on what's called the, the, there are nuclear receptors called the PPAR receptors. And the ketones are working on those and the developing ketones from using the MCT along with using CBD, which is also going to activate and stimulate these PPAR receptors, um, slightly different variation, but they're both working on that nuclear component, making epigenetic changes that really enhance metabolism and cell function while reducing inflammation. And then 
with people who are doing fasting for autophagy um, for cellular cleaning would you recommend they take cbd during fasting even though it might break fast i don't know or would they take it after fasting well, I think it actually is in, is enhanced. The CBD effects are quite enhanced with fasting. Um, the, the CBD mechanisms seem to improve. I notice that when I'm fasting, um, that um, they seem to be accentuated in um, terms of the particular benefits. So lower doses are needed. Um, you're getting, uh, you know, when you go into a fasting state, there's actually a kind of a high that you, you get with fasting, a, a, a change in your metabolism and your, the speed of your um, brain processing and function, probably related to some of the ketones that are going on, but, but overall functioning. And there's a dampening of the endocannabinoid system um, in, the, in the gut and in the brain so that everything's working in, um, in, in a very effective way and an efficient way. And so combining those two does seem to show an enhancement and a sensitivity and um, uh, could be a major benefit. And then adding some exogenous uh, ketones or saturated fats um, could have the advantage of making that even more effective um, with the endocannabinoid system and using cannabidiol. So what are your recommendations? When are the best times to take it? Should I take it with a fatty meal? or before a fatty meal or after a fatty meal, it sounds like having some sort of fat is going to help with the absorption level better. Exactly. I believe that it should be taking with fat. A saturated fat may be best. So you get something like in butter or cream, and then you, um, but it also um, could come from MCT oil. You're going to get um, an effective, better, more effective absorption. You don't have to take a lot. Um, uh, just um, perhaps a tablespoon is all all that might be needed in order to stimulate that I- improved absorption pathway. And that, you know, um, I don't tell people that it needs to be taken at a very specific time or in a very specific schedule. I think, practically speaking, I like to f- help have my patients kind of figure out what's best for them, what fits within their lifestyle. If they have to go to school and they're away, then they're going to be taking it when they have a chance to. Um, And I also want them to, as a food product, to take it as often as they need to to control their symptoms rather than sticking to a rigid rigid schedule. So getting away from the idea that this is a pharmaceutical drug that needs to be taken on a specific schedule and then combining it with uh, with, uh, fat, um, some, some saturated fat or some fat um, with a meal, a small meal. But don't take it with a large meal. Unfortunately, there, with the relaxation that occurs with that, it can sometimes relax the esophageal sphincter that could allow for a little bit of reflux during that meal time. Okay. Yeah, well, I've just experimented a little bit and just anecdotal stuff, but taking it just before having some good coffee seems to make the coffee feel nicer too. So I don't I think uh, it combines with the caffeine and it, it's working um, and amplifying the uh, the hormonal effects uh, and the neurotransmitter effects that can caffeine stimulate. Hmm. So when I was looking at all the different products available, they a lot of it looks at percentages like I I've got a 3% um, substance and luckily it's CO2 extracted too. Um, but could you just explain then as a consumer what 
what should I be looking for if I just want, say, general health? Is 3% enough or should I have a 5% and 8%? How, how do I know which percentage I should aim for? I just focus, because all the products are different, they're packaged different, you've got to do calculations to figure out how many milligrams of CBD. So generally, I'm looking at the number of milligrams of CBD and counting those. And so, and, But it does make a difference in terms of the product because some of it is more bioavailable than others. For instance, the Elixinol liposome product is, um, is structured so that it has an improved bioavailability that may be as much as five or seven times what you might find in an oil tincture. And so you have to consider that. So you start with the serving size that is recommended on there, but double and triple in order to get the effect on the control of your particular symptoms. You should get those effects and those benefits right away so if you're not getting those benefits, you're not seeing any changes in yourself, then you, you've got to increase the dose or you may need to find another product. And from what I understand, that it seems the best way is sublingual, so underneath your tongue. Yeah, if you get immediate effects by doing it that way. Um, I, I say it, may, it is probably the most effective in through the, the oral route. Um, you get really good absorption through the mucous membranes. Um, and uh, then, then the gut is sort of second. But you can also, this can also be vaporized, and the vaporizing delivers 95% efficiency in vaporizing it. There are capsules available, and they take a little bit of time, take a couple hours before you feel the effects of those particular capsules. And then there's different forms that you're probably maybe using a tincture of some sort that's mixed in with another oil, whether it's olive oil or MCT oil. MCT, yeah, that's what's on the bottle here. Well, one um, other way you can use it is topically. And I frequently encounter people who have an injury or burn or a laceration or a painful area, and I have them rub it right into that area of pain and get relief within a few minutes. Yeah, well, I actually have been doing that where I have a little mark on my skin here. Um, and after I've sprayed, there's a little bit of residue and I just take that and I've rubbed it and I've noticed a change. Um, that was random. Uh, I was speaking with my wife today about that and she's like, are you really seeing something? I don't know. You just, you know, you know, you're talking about your vision thing and now your skin. And You know, <laughs> but, that's, the, that's the most common thing that I get feedback is they say, was this, uh, is this placebo effect? Uh, you, you told me I might feel something like this. I, I think it's placebo. It's, it's just my imagination that <laughs> things are getting better. I don't completely understand that. Um, when you have symptoms before and then they go away after you take this food, then why wouldn't you attribute it to the food? But more often I get placebo, that I've hypnotized them into thinking that they've made these improvements. Mm. So, well, it's good to know then, so just coming back to understanding with the, uh, the dosage-wise that, yeah, I can play with the different dosages. There's no problems. I mean, when I, you know, the biggest dosage I think I saw with, does it go up to something like 20% or 40% um, a tincture? I mean, are those only really used for those seizure patients, those cancer patients? Is that what they need to take? Well, there are some, um, but I don't use, I don't recommend high doses of CBD for cancer patients. And the epilepsy, um, I, there are a few that have to hey, take some high concentration, but I always recommend a full spectrum product, and you don't usually get the full spectrum in those really, really concentrated products. So I'm I'm not enthusiastic about that, and this that's so rare. Uh, I don't see those cases very often, and um, uh, but I do make I do just continue to adjust the dosage and maybe use some complements complements 
to the endocannabinoid system, like the omega-3s, or maybe some of the other cannabinoids that are available, like uh, beta-caryophyllin, um, and which is actually it comes from broccoli uh, extracts. Um, I'm, correction, that comes that actually comes from hops and um, basil and oregano. So it's one of those oils that we get in a lot of the food uh, stuff. Now, in the study that I'm doing here, we're combining it with whole body vibration so that it's an exercise stimulation that also goes into it. So as part of um, the improvement of the individual, they need to be considering um, all those healthy aspects like exercise, diet, sleep quality, um, meditation, all those things that we've known about and a, a good healthy diet. Hopefully, I'd incline people towards a ketogenic diet, but you people have also had great success using a um, a, uh, a vegetarian diet that excludes uh, uh, modified products that are um, uh, have been adjusted or fabricated in some way. Mm-hmm. So it you know that's it just it's good to know then. So it doesn't mean the the stronger the dose that a company might sell the. The, the better it's going to be for an individual for general health. They don't. You don't have to think like that. You can go for those lower percentages and and as you said, just adjust and titrate and just see how how you respond and how you feel for whatever you're achieving. Um, so I just I, the last one I want to ask about is just diabetes then because that does seem quite exciting. I mean, I've had a lot of guests on the show who've talked about different about insulin resistance and diabetic control and that. And um, so how does a CBD oil help someone who's got say type 2 diabetes or my question was even type 1 diabetes i was asking some type 1 diabetes patients like um with this insulin resistance do you know anyone who's taking cbd oil who's who's doing like a continuous glucose monitor check or something that what what does it actually do to their body well um i do know i have an eight-year-old child who's using cbd and he uh has had some dramatic improvement his blood sugars have dropped um, at, at 30 points. Um, he's generally he's gaining weight after being uh, depleted. He has uh, type one, but he's in the honeymoon phase, meaning that he still has some insulin production, and he's been able to cut out his long-acting insulin, and he just uses short-acting insulin along with a ketogenic diet because diabetes is a carbohydrate disease, and uh, you got to stop the carbohydrates in order to control. The diabetes. Now, obviously, if you're taking insulin, you're going to have to be careful about that. But any diabetic, whether it's type 1 or type 2, should be reducing the carbohydrates to the lowest level. CBD acts as to improve the signaling within the body and reduce um, the um, inflammation um, and protect uh, different cell types against damage from um, elevated glucose. So it's protecting the eyes, it's kidneys, uh, the liver, on the brain. All of those areas are being protected, whereas it's also shifting the metabolism so that there are actually more glucose receptors on the muscles that are active and taking up more glucose and leaving less behind inside the bloodstream. There's a number of protective factors that go into this. I mean, I think that they are going to be enough to um, reduce the complications of diabetes uh, that we would normally see, even including atherosclerosis. And you touched on it earlier about the research component, and it's not really being tested in humans. Is this more the legality issue that uh, in different countries that uh, cannabis itself, even if it's hemp or 
marijuana is being blocked at a legislative level that that that's the reason these human studies aren't being conducted well in the united states it's actually being blocked at the administrative level the the um, uh, current administration is blocking the law actually blocking the laws that uh, and attempts to legalize the use of of hemp and hemp products that have come from the Congress. Congress has actually passed two laws that said basically you can use industrial hemp with very low amounts of THC for whatever you want to use it for. And the Department of um, uh, Drug Enforcement Agency is blocking that and reinterpreting uh, the legislature law. Now, they're not supposed to do that, but that's what's happening at the present time. And the DEA is insisting that Congress be more specific in their laws. And congressmen have written the DEA said, my goodness, we have told you very specifically, we don't understand. So there's um, a uh, barriers that are within the administration. It's less so within the legislature. Um, it's just getting those two areas to um, uh, understand the, the huge potential benefits for helping patients as well as the financial savings. Because if we substitute cannabidiol um, for uh, a lot of our healthcare problems, uh, we would be able to take care of the opioid epidemic. Um, we'd be able to solve uh, Alzheimer's disease and dementia. We'd be able to preserve lives from traumatic brain injury, get people back to work and functioning for PTSD and a host of other problems. Yeah, well, I think anyone who's been listening up to this point, hopefully they're excited about it as we are. And um, yeah, I I would suggest to anyone listening to this, try it out, you know, see how it goes. Uh, I've had a very positive experience so far. The, the information you've shared, Dr. Blair, has been amazing. You know, that the documentary, I'm going to share it in the show notes too. Um, it's just mind opening to say that, yeah, this is a safe substance. It's not something that's going to make you high and this there only seems a positive which you know it's like it's a no-brainer in a sense just try it out see it's not going to do you any harm um so just coming to the end of our conversation there uh what are the best ways that people can follow you keep up um with the information that you share do you have any specific links you'd like to share for listeners at this stage well, I've got, uh, I'm on YouTube and I've got quite a number of lectures, 40 lectures that are being discussed. I'm certainly on Facebook um, and I do postings uh, occasionally. It's quite, there's a number of followers in that area. Um, in addition, um, I, I do interviews and podcasts with people like you, Gary, and um, I'm always trying to get the word out. I also go to a number of different conferences um, and talk to people, and I take consultations. And somebody wants to do a consultation, if they go through the Elixinol company, then I'm a medical um, advisor for them, and they can actually uh, engage me for a few minutes and a dialogue to get a, a protocol that they might want to be using. And that's uh, the Elixinol company is E-L-I-X-I-N-O-L dot, dot com. And there's a UK version, so they're active in the UK as well as South Africa. So um, those are places that go. And I, I have my own website, but it's, and it has some limited information on it um, at uh, drblairmd at icloud.com. And then probably if you want to find out more about cannabidiol, one of the best sources that I recommend for people is projectcbd.org. It's important that you have the org and not the .com in that. 
Okay, fantastic. And again, I'll link to all of those resources in the show notes for listeners. I just want to say, Dr. Blair, thank you so much for the information you shared today. I've been enlightened a lot. I I feel I've I've learned a lot. I understand more about the product and I look forward to just seeing what else it can do for me. Terrific. It's been a pleasure to be talking with you about this amazing substance. Mm -hmm.